Caution. The contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And on this episode 49, we'll kick off our two-part series looking at the musical siblings Felix and Fanny Mendelssohn. So this week, we're going to take an in-depth look at their history, and then two weeks from now, in episode 50, we'll do some fun compare and contrast with their music. We'll start with Fanny. She was born in 1805, the first of four children in her family. And her family was, quote, gentrified Jewish Germans who owned a successful banking firm. Uh, fun side note, her and Felix's grandfather, Moses Mendelssohn, was actually a rather famous Jewish philosopher who petitioned the Prussian court for religious tolerance of the Jewish people. He petitioned the Prussian people. Interestingly, Fanny and Felix were baptized later in 1816 in the Lutheran church, and the surname Bartholdy was added to the Mendelssohn last name. Apparently, Bartholdy had a more Lutheran sound to it, and the Mendelssohn parents hoped that it would grant better opportunities for their children later in life. In 1809, the family moved to Hamburg, and Fanny was allowed to begin learning piano from her mother. During this time, knowing how to perform music was a very important skill for a woman, hence why Fanny's mother knew piano, but it was also very taboo for them to actually use that skill in public, and keep that in mind as we get later in Fanny's life. Also in 1809, Felix was born, and thus Fanny's life changed forever. Once Felix was old enough, he too began learning piano with his mother. Both children were very competent on the piano, though many sources claim that Fanny's skills far exceeded her brother's. There is a record that when Fanny was 12 years old, she was still allowed to perform in somewhat public audiences, as the guest list was very strict, but it was more than just family who saw her. So during these performances, she impressed the crowd by playing Bach's well-tempered clavier in its entirety by memory, and recall that the well-tempered clavier is 24 different keys in each has a prelude and fugue. After this performance, it was remarked that Fanny had, quote, Bach fingers due to her extreme skill that was demonstrated during the performance. Felix Mendelssohn was also performing at a high level at a young age, although as a boy he was able to perform in real public concerts. Now for a few more years, both children were trained on a level playing field. Rather than just their mother's tutelage, both children got numerous music tutors for piano lessons, theory lessons, and composition. Felix also began learning violin, and both children learned organ and sung in the Zing Academy chorus. Now, the Zing Academy specialized in the preservation of religious choral works, primarily from the Baroque period, and it seems that Felix and Fanny's musical exposure at this early age focused a lot on the German Baroque and classical traditions, with a strong emphasis on Bach and Haydn, which makes sense, since the Romantic period had just barely begun when they were both born. And we can see the influence this tradition had on their later works, particularly in Felix Mendelssohn's works with his later Symphony No. 5, The Reformation, that directly utilizes Bach's composition, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. 
So with all the equality that Fanny and Felix seem to have in their early music training, one might think that Fanny would be that rare romantic woman who would stray from the norms of society and actually make a musical career for herself. But unfortunately, that's not quite what happened. In 1820, when she was 15, Fanny's father wrote her a letter that basically forbade her from pursuing a career of any type, including music. He stated that from now on, music can only be an ornament to her character, and she must instead become a suitable wife. Felix, on the other hand, was encouraged by his father to pursue music with all his heart. At this time, Felix was only 12, but he still had some wonderful opportunities for musical growth. Surprisingly, at this young age, he wrote a Singspiel, which is a German comic opera, along with many sacred works. He also became very inspired when he attended a performance of Weber's Der Freischutz and also had the chance to personally meet Goethe, that infamous and pervasive romantic figure. Eventually, Felix Mendelssohn graduated from the University of Berlin. While there, he not only continued to perfect his musicality, but also took classes in law, geography, and aesthetics. Now, this was all at the urging of his mother, who apparently was of the opinion that musicians often lacked a solid education. <laughs> so, now a multidimensional, solidly educated, and fully realized professional musician, Felix had grand plans. He made a grand tour of Europe that included Italy, France, and England, and these travels inspires many of his works, such as the Italian and Scottish symphonies. It was also at this time that Mendelssohn orchestrated the revival of Bach's St. Matthew Passion, now, this was also a project he would turn back to after the death of his father in 1835. And this is interesting, because by this time, Bach was a bit forgotten. So this was actually a very interesting project for him to be working on, because by this time in history, Bach was actually a bit forgotten. However, I think all of Felix's early study of the German Baroque showed him how truly great Bach was, and he was determined to not let this great composer fall to the wayside. So really, it's because of Felix Mendelssohn that Bach is now a household name and regarded as one of the greatest composers of all time. Now, Fanny Mendelssohn, on the other hand, obligated to heed her father's wishes, fell in love and married a painter, Wilhelm Hensel, in 1829. She, however, never quite gave up on music. During her marriage, she composed over 500 works. Unfortunately, of those 500 works, she only ever published six opuses, and that was near the end of her life. And this was mainly because of her brother expressing the same wishes as her father, that she should not make her music public. Fanny and Felix really had a codependent relationship and valued each other's opinions, although sometimes at the expense of their own happiness. So recall that Fanny's early piano talents exceeded Felix's, and it's speculated that her composition talents would have also had she been allowed to really develop that skill. Fanny, having to suddenly take a completely different path than her brother after growing up walking the same path, tended to live a bit vicariously through his success. So while it seems like this dynamic could have taken a turn where Felix and Fanny hated each other, their relationship actually took on a much more loving nature. More often than not, Felix would come to Fanny with his works in progress to get her advice and critique which she would willingly and gratefully give. Thus, Fanny had a very strong influence over the final products of Felix's that were actually published. However much she did help him with composition, it was rather thankless as he did express opinions that she should not pursue publishing her own work, though as we mentioned, he did finally relent near the end of her life. 
Felix was also kind of a crummy brother in that sometimes he would take Fanny's best compositions and publish them as his own. This was probably pitched to Fanny as a way to get her work out there without having to compromise her reputation. However, Fanny, in a way, got her revenge. So at one point, Felix was visiting Queen Victoria, who loved his books of German leader. The Queen apparently performed a leader that was actually written by Fanny and proclaimed that it was her favorite. Felix, in a show of grace and humility, did then admit that it was actually Fanny who had written the piece. And as a side note, if you've watched any of the Victoria series on Masterpiece Theater, I would imagine that that portrayal of Queen Victoria would have been thrilled to know that it was actually a woman who had written her favorite song. But recall that Felix was not the only man in Fanny's life. Her husband, Wilhelm Hensel, was actually a driving force that kept Fanny composing. Rather than wish that Fanny be the standard housewife of the times, he hoped for her to do things that made her happy, such as composition. Now, I think it's really fortuitous for Fanny that she ended up with Hensel, because as an artist, I think he was more sympathetic to her plight of wanting to be creative with a medium that needed an audience. I think if Fanny had married someone else with a profession of, say, banking, like her father, I think there would have been more expectation for her to be just a housewife. While Fanny was adjusting to married life, Felix was rubbing elbows with the romantic greats of the era. He held several prestigious positions around Germany, some of them at the same time, and of course he met several prestigious people as a result of these positions. Of musical note, he impressed Berlioz, Wagner, Gnode, and the Schumanns, and you'll know this character if you've seen the recent film The Greatest Showman, he met Jenny Lind, who was the Swedish Nightingale, the best soprano in Europe at the time. He also met other romantic arts types as well, notably meeting Hans Christian Andersen and probably also the Grimm brothers. And it seems at this time his interest in fairy tales was really awakened as he soon came out with one of his most famous suites of incidental music for Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, which includes the famous and ubiquitous Wedding March. And Felix, during this time of great musical output, was also a bit shackled by being employed by Friedrich Wilhelm IV, the King of Prussia. Obviously, the king wanted Mendelssohn to focus on court-related projects, but the ever-creative Felix wanted to do more than just that. And eventually it was settled that Felix could stay on with the king as well as do his other work as long as his salary from the king was cut in half. With Felix producing music left and right, Fanny was doing her best to keep in touch with the musical world. Inspired by her childhood and visiting the cultural salons held by her great-aunts, Fanny herself started to host a salon, and this was an appropriate place for her to present her own music if she wished, which included performing and even sometimes conducting. Since there was a guest list, it was still considered, quote, private, even though people in the outside world probably did hear about Fanny's performances. Due to the nature of the salon atmosphere, most of the music Fanny wrote was not on the same large scale of the operas, oratorios, and symphonies of her brother. Rather, she specialized in leader for voice and piano accompaniment, and her own sort of genre, the song without words, that were basically leader without the voice. And unfortunately, probably because he published many of them under his name, Felix gets the credit for this genre pretty often. Fanny also gained the friendship and support of many artsy types thanks to her successful salons. However, her brother was still an overpowering force that kept her from actually publishing any music. 
But that all changed in 1846 when Fanny was actually approached by publishers asking if they could pretty please publish her beautiful music. And after all these years of making a private name for herself and proving her ability to the salon elite, Fanny finally broke free of Felix's control and did publish a few songs and piano pieces. Her brother got over any sort of perceived slight pretty quickly. In 1847, while he was off in London ensuring the success of an edited version of his master oratorio, Elijah, Fanny was allowed to be a sort of stand-in for him back in Germany during a rehearsal of one of his new cantatas. And while it seemed that Fanny would finally get to have her public music career she had been working towards her whole life, in a most unfortunate circumstance, she died of a stroke that same day. Now, Felix didn't hear of this news until he returned from England, and by that time he had missed her funeral and all he could do was visit her grave. For a few months, he vacationed in Switzerland and actually stopped composing for a while. He gradually returned back to his music, but the music he composed after this time was remarkably more sad. For example, his heart-wrenching string quartet number no. 6 that was written after Fanny's death was apparently thought of him as a requiem for Fanny. And this is an interesting choice of genre to be considered a requiem, which is a genre that usually calls for large orchestras and choirs. Could it be symbolic that this is a chamber group, which is the type of medium Felix had restricted Fanny to all these years? Maybe. Or it could just be what he was working on at the time, and those were his feelings that went to the page. Despite an attempt to get back to life as usual, Felix himself suffered multiple strokes. The first few didn't kill him, but eventually, just a few months after Fanny's own death, Felix also died. He was buried next to Fanny's grave. So thank you for joining us here in the Coffeehouse to learn a little bit about the Mendelssohns. Remember, two weeks from now in our next episode, we'll be taking a dive down into the Mendelssohnian music. Also, we're looking to spice up our format a little here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. So if you have any ideas for music topics that we could talk about that don't necessarily revolve around music history and theory, we'd love to hear them. You can send suggestions to our email at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com or post to our Facebook page or message our new Instagram account under the name Podcast Coffee House, which is all one word. And as always, if you like what we're doing, share us with a friend and like our Facebook page, the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. So for the Coffeehouse Podcast, I am Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Felix Mendelssohn's Piano Trio No. 1 in D minor and Fanny Mendelssohn's Piano Trio Opus 11 in D minor were performed by the Claremont Trio. Felix Mendelssohn's Symphony No. 5 was performed by the DuPage Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Barbara Schubert. Felix Mendelssohn's Andante Kanmoto from his Songs Without Words, Opus 19b, was performed by Benjamin Moser. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes or Google Play. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Podcast Coffeehouse, and email us at coffeehouseclassical.gmail.com. Thank you.